Did you ever wonder the different ways you can do your tax return yourself or how best to find someone to do them for you? Well, I'm about to explain in this, the 14th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Welcome everyone and happy St. Patrick's Day. Or at least this is getting released on St. Patrick's Day. By the time you hear this, it may not be St. Patrick's Day. Uh, You can't see this, but I am sitting here in a green leprechaun hat with a rainbow behind me and a uh, little pot of gold. Just kidding. I I am not. uh, I I just uh, appropriated leprechauns, which isn't cool. But no, it is St. Patrick's Day uh, when you are first, uh, when this hits the podcast world. Um, and I want to talk about this week, a follow-up from last week. So last week's episode, episode 13, was all about uh, the, the main forms you're likely to come across in a tax return for a retiree. Today's episode is how to, it's kind of twofold. It's how to do your tax return yourself, or what are the options to do your tax return yourself? Uh, and how to find someone to do them for you, specifically a paid preparer. You can just have a family member help. That's completely fine. But a lot of you uh, may be interested in in hiring a, a paid preparer, and I'll walk through what, what to look for and, and what to watch out for. There are, there are some pitfalls. It's an amazingly, frighteningly low hurdle to become a paid tax return preparer, uh, unfortunately. Now, I realized I probably should have did this episode a little sooner. Again, it's March 17th when this is first coming out. There is uh, just about a month left to do your 2021 tax returns, unless you file for an extension. But even then, you have to get the extension in by uh, April 18th is the filing, the initial filing deadline this year. But I figure uh, maybe some of you uh, haven't yet done them, or you have a complicated return, or you procrastinate, whatever it may be. So hopefully uh, some of you can still find some value in this, even though there's a month left and we are well into the thick of tax return season. So let me get going. Um, There's ultimately two main options with getting your tax returns done. One is do them yourself. Uh, The other one is have someone do them for you. So I'll kind of split things out into, into those two here. So first, how to do them yourself? Well, the sort of the oldest, uh, I guess, uh, is, or the, the more, uh, I don't know what the word is, more traditional, I, I, if you want to call it that, is to do them by hand, you know, physically write out your tax returns, um, do the numbers yourself, do the math yourself, fill in the forms with, you know, with pen, uh, physically sign it, mail it in. It, it's definitely possible. Now, I do not recommend mailing in anything to the IRS right now. Um, especially returns. I forget the latest count, but most recently I read the IRS has apparently 24 million plus uh, physical pieces of mail to be, I don't know if it's just returns. It might just be returns, not even physical pieces of mail, but uh, allegedly there's uh, tractor trailers full of physical mail waiting for the IRS to to open, let alone process and do something with. So uh, unfortunately, like a lot of the rest of the the world, the IRS is having its own or has been having its own difficulties and backlogs and shortages and uh, you know, as a result of the pandemic. Now, part of it is people being out, part of it's being remote, uh, as, as we all know, but added on top of it, the amount of one-off stuff that was dumped on the IRS in the last couple of years with tax code changes, last minute stimulus, 
um, revamps and tweaks to the tax code as a result of, of uh, you know, the CARES Act or, uh, you know, different coronavirus relief initiatives. I, I do not envy people who are at the IRS. There's no, it's no wonder. I mean, they, they run tight and lean in the first place, and they've already been understaffed before the pandemic. Now, with all the amount of additional work they had thrown on them, again, with tax code changes and having to process sending out stimulus payments, I'm, I'm not surprised that they're just backlog. It's unfortunate, and, and it's an absolutely horrible situation if you have to get something resolved or uh, there's people who still have tax returns not yet processed from from 2020, let alone getting to their 2021 returns. I'm personally involved in a few circumstances uh, with some clients where there's just, they're, they're waiting on things for the IRS to get to process. And it's just a black hole trying to call the IRS. Uh, even the IRS taxpayer advocate service is uh, uh, n- not, not too effective at this point. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling now, but long story short, I, I highly, highly advise against mailing in your return if at all possible electronic file it e-file it there's a much better chance it'll get looked at it'll get processed it's still not immune from getting delayed some electronic filings do get sort of kicked out of the computer matching process and uh, require a physical review if and when that happens your return is going to get hung up in this in this you know year plus long backlog most likely so anyway, don't if, if at all possible, avoid mailing in uh, your return or anything for that matter to the IRS. If you can e-file it, do it. But let's assume you you, uh, you do still want to write your return out by hand, which means you will have to mail it in. There is no e-file way if you write out your return. Um, first, you need the forms. Now, there's a few ways you can do it. You can go to like office supply stores. I've seen, never really paid too much attention, but I know I've seen at uh, the likes of Office Depot, Home Depot, or, or not uh, Office Depot, Staples. I don't even know which one of those clothes, if not both of them, but you can go there. I think they often have um, various forms, at least the most common ones you can buy and you can write it out, you know, write out the forms. Or the IRS, you can go online and you can download any form in the entire IRS library. There's a link in the show notes to the various forms. You, you, know, you have to know what you're looking for so you can search for it, um, but you can download the forms. You can download them, print them, and then write it out by hand, or you can download them as PDFs, you know, as electronic documents, and you can type in your, uh, your answers. Now, you'll still have to do the math yourself uh, manually, but once you know what numbers go where, you can then type those numbers in as opposed to writing them. So you go through your return, let's assume, and you're done. Uh, you do need to print it and ult- ultimately mail it in if you are mailing it. Again, I advise not, but if you do that, so be it. Definitely uh, get some some sort of tracking, whether you send it via postal service or um, some document courier, FedEx or whatever. Get something where the IRS has to sign it. So you have track, you have receipt, you have proof when it was sent and when it was received. So if you do mail your uh, return, you have to have it postmarked and sent and verified that it was postmarked or sent by the end of the tax return filing deadline, which is typically April 15th. Uh, this year, it's April 18th. Uh, if if it, 15th falls on a weekend, they bump it to the next, you know, to Monday. And if there's a holiday, which there's sometimes something called Patriots Day, which is a recognized, I think only in Massachusetts and D.C. maybe, but whatever, that uh, that that extends it another day. So this year, it's April, uh, April 18th is when the tax return is required to be postmarked uh, if, if you do mail it in. And like I said, definitely get a receipt, something that shows when you sent it and something that shows when it was received. Because if and when the IRS says, we never got it, and he said, well, yeah, I mailed it in April, you're going to have you're gonna have to prove it. You know, The onus is on you to, ma- to uh, cough up some sort of evidence that you actually did. So definitely get something with a tracking and a you know, signature of, of receipt. Um, 
so outside of writing out and mailing the forms, what more people commonly do is instead use commercial tax return preparation software if you do it yourself. So I'm not uh, specifically recommending recommending any. Of this is just what comes to mind. TurboTax, I'm sure you know we've all heard of that. Typically, much easier to use. It's it's guided. It'll ask you a series of questions, and you look at your tax documents and type in numbers, and it kind of does all the math for you, which is a tremendous uh, time savings, a lot less hassle. Fills out the forms for you. You still kind of have to know the basics of doing a return, especially if you have a kind of complicated scenario, tax scenario. So you can double check that it's doing stuff right. It's not these softwares are not completely um, bulletproof, but they they are typically much better than writing it out by paper, especially again if you have a lot going on with your return. So not only is it uh, typically easier to actually populate the return through these commercial softwares, but they they allow e-filing, electronic filing, which is a huge, huge benefit, like I already said. Now, you can't e-file yourself. So even if you do write out your return by hand or even fill it out as a PDF, you can't like scan it and email it to the IRS. That, that's not e-filing. The, the IRS does not accept tax returns in electronic form just through like, uh, you know, email attachment or whatever e-filing official e-filing is something very different you can only e-file it's like an electronic communication where an electronically prepared tax return is sent directly to the irs not through email but through a certain like e-filing upload uh, i don't even know the, the correct terminology some sort of portal um so TurboTax allows you to e-file and, and people who are professional you know commercial tax return preparers they have something called the EFIN, E-F-I-N, which is, I forget the exact words, but electronic filing ID number or something. Uh, basically, you have to have some sort of pre- uh, tax preparation software that is, in effect, registered. You, you get a number registered with the IRS that, yes, I'm allowed to e-file on behalf of clients, and I link that e-file uh, registration up to my tax return software. That software then is what actually transmits the returns, electronic returns from the software to to the IRS's uh, whatever, you know, soft, uh, e-file receipt system. So um, you can e-file, your point is you can e-file yourself if you use something like TurboTax. You can't e-file just by sending like an attachment through through an email. So so don't do that. So those are, those are the two big options to do yourself. Uh, you know, write it out or print it out and do a PDF and then mail it. Or uh, I'd much, much strongly recommend using commercial software. Something like TurboTax, again, doesn't have to be them. There's, there's various ones out there. I, I don't know of uh, any off the top of my head. I know most of you all listening have heard of TurboTax and uh, it's one option. So what now uh, if you don't... Um, you choose to not do it yourself or your taxes you, you feel are a bit beyond you and, and you want help. How do you go about finding someone? This is where things get interesting. Um, I didn't know this until a handful of years ago one night when I became a tax return preparer myself, went through the process of uh, learning what's involved. And I was, I was really taken back. In order to be a paid tax return preparer, now the emphasis is on paid. So if you put yourself out to the world as being in the business of doing and filing other people's returns for compensation, there's a, there's a frighteningly low bar to get into that business. All you need, you don't need to be a CPA. Most of you are thinking CPA is synonymous with someone who does taxes and vice versa. No, all you need is something called the PTIN, a uh, preparer tax ID number, P-T-I-N, which is a unique ID number the IRS gives to people who are registered with the IRS to prepare others' tax returns for compensation. There's only a few things you need or someone needs to get a PTIN. One, they need to be current on their own personal tax returns. Two, 
I think they need to be over 18. I'm not 100% certain, but I, I believe they need to be an adult, and I, I believe it's 18. Um, three, they can't be convicted of any felonies in the past 10 years. I, I think if it's you know 11 or 12 years ago, I think it's fine. Uh, but the past 10 years, you can't be convicted of any felonies. And pay an application fee. I think it's like 35, 36 bucks. That's it. Basically, you need a pulse. You need, you need a pulse. You need to not be a convicted felon. And you need to be current on your own tax returns. That's really it. That's all someone needs to be in the business of preparing returns for money. Let me recap. That is all someone needs to be in the business of preparing others' tax returns for money. Scary. Um, which, which means there's a lot of fly-by-night places. Basically, anyone can get this PTIN and be a tax preparer. There's zero knowledge requirement. There's zero education or experience requirement. There's zero testing. There's no proof of uh, this person even remotely knows what he or she's doing when it comes to taxes, yet they can legally prepare returns for money. So that that means there will be lots of sort of pop-up shops. I mean, you, you all know this tax return season is, is really clustered in the spring to a lesser extent uh, in the fall for people who do get extensions and extend things till October. But generally it's, you know, February, uh, March, and April is tax return season. So a lot of people sort of pop up these, these little pop-up shops, fly by night joints, people who have other jobs and just sort of do this for some side money in the spring, uh, open up shop as, as a paid tax return preparer. Now, doesn't mean they're not, they're necessarily bad and don't know what they're doing, but the point is anyone, basic, basically anyone can be a uh, tax return preparer. All they need is a PTIN. So now what's even more scary is a lot of you all, not you all, but um, people in general, don't know these requirements and don't know what to look for or ask for. And a lot there's a lot of illegal tax return shops that pop up. Again, opportunists come up in the spring, cheap, easy money. Lots of people need tax returns done. It's not hard to find business. Um, and they'll take advantage of people. You get people with no qualifications, no education, not even a P10 and shouldn't be doing tax returns in the first place. will open up a little temporary shop or maybe do it out of their house and uh, charge you money for it. And not know what they're doing, and maybe botch your return. Now, now the 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 thing is, tax returns, regardless who does them for you, they are ultimately your responsibility as a taxpayer. It's your return. You sign off on it, with or without someone's help. You are ultimately obligated to ensure that return is accurate and properly reflects everything it's supposed to reflect. Which is a bit of a conundrum. The tax code is exceptionally complicated. Uh, lots of people are not. Uh, capable of doing their taxes, especially if it's you know even remotely complicated. So you kind of have to rely on someone. So there's this weird sort of kind of blind faith that you, someone's return, you think they're responsible for it. You think you're doing it right. You don't really know any better to check yourself. And it's not a not a dig on you if you don't. It's just uh, it's kind of scary that ultimately it's your responsibility to make sure your return is right when you sign it. That's what you're attesting to. Yes, this is right to the best of my knowledge. Anyway. So you kind of have to watch out for these folks that are uh, not, don't even have a PTIN. That's the absolute minimum it's required. Someone needs to have to do your tax return for money. So if someone uh, does offer or you're, you're shopping around, make sure they have a PTIN. Ask to see it. Also, if and when someone does assist you in doing your return or does it for you for compensation, they need to sign and they need to put their PTIN on your return. Anyone who does your return for you for money and doesn't or refuses to put their name and PTIN on it, run. Do not do not do any business with that person whatsoever. 
separate story if a relative help you uh, helps you or, or someone helps for free a friend a relative whatever if they're just giving you guidance they do not have to sign um they're you're not paying them but they do not have to sign they do not need a p10 like again your your, your cousin your brother whatever can help you do your tax return it's still ultimately your responsibility it's always your responsibility but if someone's helping you for free that person does not need to sign. They do not need a P-10. But anyone who claims to be in business needs to have a P-10, needs to sign your return, and needs to put their, uh, as the preparer, you still sign yourself, but they have to sign as a preparer, and they have to put their P-10. So where do you go um, to, to actually find someone, now that I, I sort of scared you into uh, a lot of the chop shop places out there, or unqualified places? It, there's really not a single source, unfortunately. It, it's sort of like, I don't know, doctors or lawyers uh, in that there's no single reference where you can go to find every doctor or every lawyer uh, out there in the world. Now they need to be registered. So you can search with their state licensing boards, like the, you know, for lawyers, it's the bar association for doctors. It's a whatever board of medicine. I don't know what it's called in each state, but outside of that, there's no like global directory or, or national directory to show all doctors or uh, whatever. You can ask around, you know, find friends. There's lots of uh, surveys and like best docs and best lawyer magazines. But a lot of those things, frankly, are just kind of um, pay to play or people self-nominate themselves or friends nominate them. Not to say they're they're bad folks in those surveys and, you know, in those top advisor lists or top tax repair lists or top lawyer lists. But take those with a grain of salt. Um, so, so where do you go? I started touching on this referrals, recommendations, anyone that you, you know, uh, that has someone that they really like and trust that they use for a while, you can start there. There is, uh, a, an IRS source with a P10 directory and there's a link to it in the show notes here. But the problem is that this is voluntary. It won't show everyone that has a P10. It's only people with P10s who opt into being into the directory. So this isn't uh, an all-encompassing list, but if you are shopping around and do find someone who, who claims to be a paid preparer, ask for his or her P-10 number and try to confirm that on the IRS directory, P-10 directory, which again, there's a link in the notes. If the person's, if that uh, P-10 is not in the directory, ask the person. If he or she says, you know, they, they simply didn't opt into it, then maybe you want to know why, but I guess that's a defensible enough answer. Um, but that, that, that's at least a start. So the, again, there's a link to that. And you can search by geography, you can search by zip code, plus, you know, uh, within a certain amount of miles or something if you're trying to find someone relatively local. So definitely uh, that's the one spot to go to, to to try to find someone that at least has a P-10. Everyone in that directory will have a P-10, but not everyone with a P-10 will be in that directory. That, that's the best way to think about it. Furthermore, um, what, what you may want to look for is what's called a credentialed preparer. And credentialed is, is technical IRS speak. So the IRS recognizes a few different designations and licenses as people who are uh, have some level of knowledge uh, or, or experience or testing or continuing education in, in taxes. And I'll, I'll hit on a few big ones. There's a couple others that you'll probably never hear of, but th these four you may come across at some point. One is what's called an AFSP, which stands for Annual Filing Season Participant. So the IRS has a program called the Annual Filing Season where if that person does a certain amount of uh, hours of education, tax-related, IRS-recognized uh, tax-related education in a year, the person can be uh, called, officially recognized by the IRS as an annual filing season participant. I forget the specific requirements. I knew it at one point. I, maybe it's, I don't know, 18 hours a year of tax-related continuing education or something like that. 
So that's one thing to look for. Uh, and I should mention on this IRS P10 directory that I'm sharing a link with in the, in the show notes, you can search by these credentialed preparers, one of which is AFSP, the annual filing season participant. So not only can you use this directory to find someone that simply has a P10, but you can go one step further and find someone that has a P10 and has one sort of IRS recognized credential such as the AFSP. The next recognized credential is what's called EA, enrolled agent. Uh, this is a credential I have. It's a program run by the IRS where you have to pass three different exams, one on individual taxation, one on business taxation, and one on general taxation policies and practices. Um, in addition to passing those three IRS exams, there is 24 hours per year of IRS-recognized tax-related continuing education that needs to be done. So someone with an enrolled agent designation like myself, they're, they're not going to know everything. It's impossible to know all things about the tax code at all times but they at least have a, a minimum level of knowledge that they had to uh, test to, to prove to the IRS and do, like I said, 24 hours a year of continuing education in, in different tax topics. So that's something else you can look for. And enrolled agents are allowed to, they have what's called representation rights. They can represent you in front of the IRS, not tax court, but in front of the IRS. So if you get audited or the IRS questions you, you can have an enrolled agent represent you and, and uh, you know, speak with you or speak on your behalf in front of the IRS for you. Uh, the, the third type of credentialed preparer is a CPA. I'm sure everyone's heard of that. Certified public accountant. Um, th this is a little different than enrolled agent. So whereas enrolled agent is really just about taxes and it's overseen directly by the IRS, CPAs are about taxes and other stuff, uh, public accounting, financial statement preparation, auditing companies, and they're overseen by the state boards of accountancy. So if you're a CPA, you're, you're licensed to practice in you know, one state, two states, multiple states, whatever. It's not a national um, uh, you know, license. It's, it's state by state, whereas an enrolled agent is, is national. CPAs similarly have representation rights and that they can represent clients in front of uh, the IRS. Again, not tax court, I don't think, but uh, in front of the IRS about audits or whatever. So those are, and the, the fourth uh, credentialed preparer are attorneys. Anyone who's licensed as an attorney um, is in the eyes of the IRS a credential preparer and can uh, represent you in front of the IRS. And I believe they can also all file returns uh, for comp or, or prepare returns for compensation um, as an attorney. Now, practically speaking, most attorneys, just because they are credentialed, doesn't mean they're actually going to be able to do returns. Uh, just think about you know all the lawyers you know, how many of them focus on tax. Um, Probably not most of them. So they're, I'm, I'm sure majority of them aren't going to even uh, pretend to to want to do your tax returns. So those are the, the four different credential credentialed preparers you can look for on that IRS P10 directory. Again, it's annual filing season participants, enrolled agents, certified public accountants, and uh, attorneys. Now, none of, none of these credentialed uh, credentials necessarily means the person knows any more or less than someone who's not credentialed. I mean, I, I personally know some folks who are super sharp in tax, and I would trust them to do my returns and returns of my family. I know other folks, uh, other enrolled agents, like attorneys, obviously, like I said, just because they're an attorney and they're credentialed doesn't mean they're actually qualified or, or, or uh, you know, know enough to do taxes. Similar with CPAs. Um, a lot of CPAs really just do sort of corporate accounting. They'll prepare financial statements and do the bookkeeping for the companies they work for or something. They, they can do individual taxes, but they may not be up on it. They may not be interested in it. There's a lot that goes into doing uh, the various parts of an individual or tax return, especially a complicated one. 
So just because someone's a CPA doesn't doesn't mean they do taxes, or if they you know doesn't mean they they're going to know everything about taxes. And same thing with enrolled agents. Right, I'm an enrolled agent. I don't I I can do business taxes. I have no interest in it. It's it's a whole different ball of wax. I I I know I don't know enough about, and it's going to take a lot of work and effort and practice to uh, get really proficient in doing business returns. So I just flat out don't do it. I do individual returns. I focus on. Um, you know, typically retirees, but but the point is that that's it's still constantly learning experience. Um, and you know, CPA is going to be the same thing. If they don't regularly do individual taxes, just because they're a CPA doesn't mean they can quickly or easily or accurately do a return without uh, putting the time in to really focus on it. So that's that. Um, those are the credential preparers you may want to consider uh, looking for. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean the person's perfect or knows everything. It just means that they have a minimum level of experience or testing or continuing education. So in theory, they should be able to uh, to uh, to do your returns, do it well, or at least know where to go if and when they come across something that they don't know, which, which happens to me all the time. There's, I'm always coming across new scenarios where like, man, I don't know that, but I at least know where to go to research it and, and find out the answer. Um. Okay, so just moving on, there's there's also, this is sort of a th- uh, third category. I don't really know where this fits in, but uh, I wanted to let you all know there are some uh, free filing options or free assistance options for, for people who qualify. So I guess you would lump this into the, um, you know, uh, have someone else do your returns. Um, s- see the links? I got links for all these things in the show notes. Uh, there are usually some restrictions and requirements around this. So the first one I'll talk about is the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, otherwise known as VITA or VITA. So the IRS trains people. These aren't IRS employees, uh, but they are um, people who go through a certain level of training and, and the IRS sort of stamps them and be like, yes, this person knows the basics of doing tax returns and can help for this, this VITA program. So what this program is, the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, is for people with, I think it's, this changes every year, but currently I believe it's like $58,000 of, of income or less, or people with disabilities, or people with uh, limited English uh, capabilities. So this is set up, it's funded by the government, I think, you know, funded by the IRS or the government, um, with volunteers that help these people do their returns. I, I think they actually do them for them. Um, so that's one, Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. Next, specifically for people 60 or older, uh, this is another IRS-run program. This is called Tax Counseling for the Elderly, or TCE. This is also, uh, there's a link in the notes here. Again, you have to be 60 or older. That's the only formal requirement, I I believe, that the IRS has on that. But practically, I think they do try to limit it to people who genuinely have some need, whether it's lower income or simple returns or uh, people with, you know, mobility issues, They, they can't easily get out to, to bring their stuff to a tax return preparer or something. I, I don't know. Um, I think they also only do relatively straightforward returns. You know, if, if you're 62 and you got an empire of rental properties and businesses and no, you're not going to get free assistance from, from the IRS for this. This is really intended for people who have fairly straightforward, you know, uh, income-based needs or can't do it themselves for physical or mental, uh, you know, degradation reasons. So that's tax counseling for the elderly. Those two, again, VITA and TCE, those are those are formally run and sponsored by the IRS. There's another one from AARP called AARP Tax Aid. There's also a link to this in the show notes. Its requirements are you need to be 50 or older and quote unquote low to moderate income. I don't know exactly how AARP defines that. But again, the gist is people who are of limited income means and probably people with basic returns. I, you know, If you have a super complicated return, I don't think AARP Tax Aid is, is going to do it for free. But it's at least worth looking into. 
Um, so again, link to that in the show notes. Now, if you want to do yourself, but uh, use some free options, the, the, there's something the IRS has called free file. There's also a link to that in the notes. Now, what this is, is they, the IRS partners with commercial tax return preparers, and there's a few different on there, you know, different software, uh, tax software companies, where they will make available to you for free their software, and you use it, you fill it out, and you file, you e-file through them, everything's great. Now, there are some restrictions here. Uh, the, the hard limit is you need to have an adjusted gross income. Again, this changes every year. I think it's $73,000 or less. Uh, then that can make you eligible for these free file things. But I also think there's complexity-based things. So if you have a real hairy return or your business return or multiple rental properties or something, um, I, I want to say I don't think this is free. I don't think these providers make their software free for you. These are really, I, I think, intended for fairly basic, straightforward returns. Um, or, or maybe it's free for like the template basic 1040, but once you start tacking on stuff, maybe they then charge you extra for that. I, I really, uh, I'm not entirely sure. And also the IRS has uh, loosely similar to free file, but not entirely. Um, there's a few different options where you can do fillable forms. So like I mentioned before, if you do your return yourself, you can get paper returns and you know write stuff in by hand with a pen. Or you can use like a PDF and just type in the answers. Um, I, I think IRS, I never looked into this directly, but IRS makes fillable forms available for free. You can see a link in the in the notes. Uh, I think all that is, is giving you uh, a way to directly type into like, you know, the PDF or something. I, I don't think this lets you e-file. This doesn't actually calculate and do and file a return. It's just a way for you to uh, electronically populate these things instead of having to print them out and, you know, write, write them in by hand. All right, I will stop there. Hopefully you found this helpful. A lot of information I know. Um, no uh, no slam dunk answers for where to go and who to find help from and whatever, but I at least like to think I, I gave some pros and cons and things to look out for. And definitely for those of you who weren't familiar with these free file things, free file options, especially those if you're 50 or older, 60 or older, uh, there are some some uh, uh, some options out there for, for assistance, you know, for retirees. So that's that for today. Um, if you next week, we, we got a good one next week, and this came from a recommendation. So um, next week's episode is going to be all about walking through and explaining the various designations and letters financial advisors have, not tax specific. We're, we're moving on from taxes at this point. Um, moving on from tax returns, I should say, but talking about the the host of alphabet soup that a lot of advisors often have after their names and different credentials. So. Um, I'll, I'll walk through which ones are good, which ones are nice to have, you know, which ones actually take serious commitment of time, money, and knowledge uh, to get, and which ones are basically just, you know, you pay a hundred bucks and go sit at a seminar for six hours and boom, here you go. You got a designation. You know, those are basically worthless. So I'll, I'll go, go through that next week. Uh, if you, if you like this show, definitely check out my other sources, my, my Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement, YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Demystified, and my newsletter, uh, retirement planning insights you can find links to all three in the show notes and if you like what you're hearing you like this podcast please definitely uh, give it a, a nice review and if you haven't already whatever podcast platform you use to listen to it please give uh you know a, a nice little write-up nice little summary if you don't like it give a nice little write-up i greatly appreciate it he all right well that's it thank you all for listening as always and i will see you next week the information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you.